Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Come on, come on. Figure, figure. We've done that f- thing. Can we not knock it? I am flabbergasted. I wouldn't even let him on the bus after the match. I get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> Again, don't, please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. When the seagulls follow the troll, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Thank you. I understand what I'm trying to get at. Yes, he was a great player. Yes, he was a wonderful leader. But he wasn't a magician. Take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. Welcome back to all of you, wherever in the world you're actually listening. Uh, my name is Richard Keyes. My name is Andrew Mullen Gray. <laughs> and this is the Keyes and Gray podcast. I don't know why that's funny. Um, I don't know why either. <laughs> if you're a new listener, do subscribe. That's the first thing I would ask you to do. And share and leave a review. We're available on all platforms. You can also ask your smart speaker to find us as well, but I don't want to go there, Andy, because mine mine is listening again, and I don't don't want to set it off. I'll have it sorted when I get back with you. Right, okay. Uh, In the meantime, thank you to all our listeners, particularly those of you who have just discovered us. Um, There's a lot of football chat to come. There's finals, of course, upcoming, uh, which we Mm. intend to talk about today. So I hope you're listening to this before Saturday, if it's after, we'll find out how good we actually are. Um, there are the playoffs, of course. There's the Euros as well. And Andy, we are being binged. What? We are being binged. New listeners are discovering us and going right back to the beginning of the playlist and enjoying our back catalogue. I never why, thought why I'd be able to you? say <laughs> By the way, the only thing I can see, Richard, why would you? <laughs> I mean, there is a multitude of stars uh, on that back catalogue list, uh, some yes. extraordinary stories. So please go back and binge the lot. You can follow us on Insta and Twitter at Keys and Gray Pod. Um, interesting spike in listeners last week, Andy. I'll give you a couple. I've, I've, had a few, I've had a few binges in my life, but not quite like that. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a few clues. There is no chance of you getting this. Um, okay. I'm a port on the southeastern coast. Here, the Turia River meets the Mediterranean. I am known for arts, science, and futuristic buildings. I actually have been there. Very lovely city. I have Malaga. Se- no, no, Malaga. You what? Mediterranean. I have several beaches in the Albufeira Park. I am oh, the city Portugal. of Valencia in Spain. 
So welcome Albuquera. to all of our new listeners. Albuquerque in Portugal. Uh, that threw me, that did. Well, mm. welcome to all of our new listeners in Valencia. So, Valencia, yes, excellent. You're still in lockdown. Well, uh, I'm, I'm officially out at midnight tonight. Well, you're still in uh, lockdown then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. How has but, it been? The short answer is yes, I am. How's yeah. it been? Oh, well, this has been a test, I'll tell you. Um, I've, I've undergone some uh, things in my life, uh, Mr. Keys, as you know, mm. but this has tested me. Mm. Uh, Ten full days alone in, uh, in, a, in a smallish room with, um, <laughs> with the door only being opened. Ah, the door only being opened, I was going to say, for my food, but at this hotel... I'm allowed to walk around the car park twice yeah. a day for 20 minutes uh, to get some air. We shouldn't so complain because so many others have been so badly affected by COVID, yeah. Andy, but it is frustrating. It really is frustrating, especially when you're double vaccinated and, and, and yeah, yeah. you know, uh, that, uh, so I, I thought that was the whole idea that we were then able to travel, um, mm. but but it would appear not. Anyway, I, you've listen, you've done well. Um, out tonight. And what they don't tell you is it is 10 full days. They don't count the one yeah. in or the one out, do no. they? It's 10... Full yes. day. So it's 12 days. Well, that's why I, I thought it was quite clever, actually, because while I was walking around the car park the other day, and I suddenly thought, I was counting my days, and I suddenly thought, hold on a minute, my 10th full day is Friday. Mm. And if that's the case, why do I have to stay the night here till Saturday morning? So I went and asked reception on my Very way clever. back. I said, excuse me, am I right in thinking that I can leave this establishment on, on Friday night at one minute past midnight? And she went, absolutely, Mr. Gray, you can. That's exactly what you can do. So, you, as you, you know, you, my you, brother got a call right away. Duncan, meet me here, one minute past yeah. 12, Friday night. So you presented yourself at reception, therefore breaking protocol. Oh, no, 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 no. I had my mask on. I was coming, returning from my walk. Ah. So you have to pass by reception. Okay. So one of the girls was there, mask on as well. So I just made the inquiry, and she confirmed that that was a okay. case. Right. So, assuming, now I say assuming, I was tested on uh, Wednesday again. Um, now I haven't had my result back yet. So, <laughs> well, you'll be clear. Assuming that all comes through this morning, then I shall be uh, out and about as of midnight tonight. So much to discuss this week. I, I um, let's run through some of it now, and, and depends on how the time goes, Andy. We, with yeah. two, two guests, uh, how much opportunity we get to discuss okay. these things later really? as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. um, Manchester United were doomed statistically from the moment Bruno Fernandes opted for his side to kick second in the Europa League final, according to science. Uh, research has shown that the team kicking first wins around 60% of the time. Um, a, a, a fact supported by Villarreal's ultimate 11-10 victory in Gdansk, it seems. Mm -hmm. uh, the psychological strain of taking a sudden death kick, I read from the Daily Telegraph, incidentally, mm -hmm. in case you're wondering, uh, when a miss means agonising defeat, especially later in the shootout, sees the typical penalty success rate between 78 and 80% fall to 62% if you're taking second. Yeah. I, I, I actually agree. I was staggered at that having won the toss. United went second. I, I I don't get that. I think you get in, you get your penalty taken, you you score your first one, and you immediately put pressure on the team yes. you're playing against. Yes. I didn't get going. I don't get going second. I really don't. In the it, penalty shootout. It, it tells me you're scared. That that's that's oh, my conclusion. I think so. Did yes. you go as far as that? Yes, I would. I would because otherwise he you put. He must have thought some other reason than being scared. Andy, put the ball down, take the kick. The other thing I yeah. would say is having to take them all at one end is wrong. 
I've said this yes. consistently, that Manchester right. United, no matter how few spectators that, that were in there, they were taking them into Valencia fans. Correct. We have uh, enough officials, uh, sorry, Villarreal fans. We have enough officials on the pitch now to take them both ends in these circumstances. Correct. It would speed up the process. It would dramatically reduce the nerves of a player making the walk of hell. Um, and 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 it it would even things up. I I I still don't get. Them. But listen, last week I was very complimentary about the Daily Mirror. This week yes. I have to be the opposite. David McDonnell, who is a journalist of uh, some stature, um, okay. I could not believe this piece when I read it today. Uh, I, I read his intro. Dean Henderson will start next season as Manchester United's number one after David de Gea's Europa League nightmare. Uh, De Gea was the fall guy as United lost on penalties to Villarreal, failing to save any of the 11 kicks he faced before missing the decisive one himself. And he's had to come in for even more criticism because it's emerged he ignored advice to stay central on Wagomez's first sudden death penalty, diving to his left instead as Gomez went down the middle. And, and they've produced this chart, which a number of newspapers today, and I'm sure everybody's seen it by now, those listening, um, the homework that was done prior to the shootout on which side uh -huh. players would go. So so you only read that and Manchester United fans go, well, what a pillock. Not only did he yes. miss the important kick, but he ignored the advice on the one that was critical because Fred followed and scored. So therefore, if he'd done as he was told, we'd have won. But wait a minute. No. <laughs> the last paragraph of this piece goes on to say, the Gea may, however, have been right to ignore the advice on the coaching staff's crib sheet, as seven of the 10 Villarreal outfield players didn't go where the advice said they would. <laughs> I mean, honestly, can you believe uh, that? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's extraordinary, Andy. To, to, I mean, it's, it's a bit like damned if I do, damned if I don't for David De Gea, well, isn't this, it? Well, this is tucked in inside uh, in, in a very small add-on piece in, inside the newspaper. I just think that is outrageously unfair on a guy who's already hurting anyway. Oh, to, he'll, he'll be more than hurting, pal, I'll tell you. I mean, it's ridiculous journalism. It's shocking I mean, journalism. The, head, the headline, Andy, it, it, it goes further. <laughs> Sorry, I, I've just lost it. Uh, I will have to find it as I talk. But, but the headline, uh, uh, United were doomed after shootout fast when he ignored advice on vital <laughs> sudden death kick. That's the headline. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, uh, that, that is, for me, bang out of order. Uh, just, just wrong. Um, a number of things that we, we I will mention now and perhaps we get time to come back to. Uh, the new format yep. for the Champions League under threat. Uh, opposition is growing to these 10 group games and the fact that you can qualify for it on history, which which yeah. uh, is, yeah. is, is too close to the uh, Super League too uh, close. standards. Absolutely. So says uh, La Liga president Javier Tabas. <laughs> um, which, which you know, I, I, I get all of that. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's right in some respects, and I think 10 group games is too many. It does start to undermine um, uh, domestic many. football. Uh, Sheffield United appoints Slavisa Jokanovic, who leaves Not his that. job in Qatar mm -hmm. uh, to take over at Sheffield United. Conti and Zidane gone. Um, where to, though? I'm hearing Conti to Real, Zidane back to Juve. Could be wrong. Conti to Spurs <laughs> is a runner. 
But could you, you imagine? Think you're Conte to Spurs? Would that not be like getting Josie to Spurs? I don't think so. I mean, we warned no. Chelsea when they took Conte after Mourinho. It was only yeah. going to get worse, and it did. I mean, I, I can't see that, Andy, for the life of me. But but no, there are no. others who think it can. Uh, Celtic close to appointing Eddie Howe, apparently. We wish him well if that is the case. Yeah. Um, and well, we should well up to a point. <laughs> Good luck, Eddie. But second, yeah, we're all right if you come second. And Ollie's getting a kicking now. Ollie's reputation as a top boss dented up. after he was outfoxed by Good Evening um, <laughs> when he failed to react quickly enough to change his tiring team and desperately me, relied me, on a starting eleven in which he has me, no faith. So say the mirror. Right. Let me tell you about what I thought about Manchester United. We've got time. We've got time. Yeah. yeah. Go. Go. Right. I just I'm watching the game. Right. And I'm watching um, Unai Emery in normal time, well before the end, make five changes, five outfield changes, which allowed him a sixth in extra time if he wanted it, and he did, he used it. Um, and I watched the team get stronger as the game went on. Um, and then I looked at United and I thought, I wonder, I wonder if Solskjaer's problem was that 11 I've put out is my best 11 I've got available. And when you look at the bench, who can make my team better? And I think he looked around and he thought, not many. Well, you see, I buy that to a point. But where I would argue, argue, Andy, is the five that came on for Villarreal were not as good as he had on his bench. No, no. No, no, so, I know that. So I, I, I don't you, entirely you have to. accept that. Is, is it better to keep a tired, uh, a tired, anyone, tired Cavani, 36, whatever he is, is it better to keep him on or to put a young, fresh, less talented player on? Uh, I don't know, but I, I got the feeling that he was ham. He was he had hamstrung himself with respect that I, I'm not sure what to do here. I'm not. I, I, that team should have been freshened up well before the end of the game. You could tell it was flat. It was a bit down. Uh, there wasn't a spark there. Villarreal were smothering them. I mean, smothering them and frustrating them. They weren't doing a lot themselves, but they don't need to. That's the plan. The plan is, and we've talked about it all season, Mm. United are not as good, anywhere near as good, when you sit back and ask him to break you down. Nowhere near. And and obviously Unai Emery knew that, worked his plan on that, accepted that individually, United are a better team than us. I think he accepted that. Mm -hmm. Individual for individual, they're better by quite some distance. So how do we equalise that? I'll tell you how we do that. We frustrate them and ask them to be good. They did that. And United weren't good. They were really poor. Yeah. Well, I I, I, I repeat only what I've said about um, Solskjaer uh, since day one, Andy. And, and Simon Jordan said it and also got hammered. Um, good to a point. This is the former yeah. manager of relegated Cardiff and Mulder. Um, yeah. That does not, for me, qualify you to manage Manchester United. If, if I'm a top player these days with a choice of clubs where to go, which Manchester club at London geographically, um, Barca, Real Madrid. I, I'm not going to Manchester United to play for Solskjaer. I'm sorry, I'm not. Um, so Harry Kane's not going there then? I, I, I would be <laughs> enormously surprised if Harry Kane went there. I think he's going to Manchester City. Uh, he he may see it as a as a step forward. Depends on what his ambitions are now. Listen, if Pochettino goes back to Tottenham, I don't think he goes anywhere. Um, Where is that a goal? You believe that? I, I do believe there's something in that. Yes, I, I, I do oh. believe that, yeah. Um, Can you do that? Can he do it? Why not? Well... I'm, I'm trying to think. I was trying to think this morning before you came on about coaches that have had really success. Oh, well, relative success. I'm not going to say real success because he didn't win anything at Tottenham first time round. He had relative success. Yeah. I'm trying to think of coaches who have been at a club had 
success or relative success left then going back um, and being equally as good or better. Um, I'm struggling a bit. I, I, I even go back to my own days at Everton when Howard Howard Kendall... Yeah, but the, 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 the bar was so high, Andy. I, I, yes, I think where, where Richard, it's different the is... High, the bar's high at Tottenham. I don't think uh, so. I, mean, I don't well, think so. I, 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 well, you've got a Champions League final you have to get to and win it if you're going to be as good as you were the last time round. Yes. You've got qualifications. Are your players as good? Are you going to have Harry Kane? Is he gone? Right? Are the players still as good as you had when you left? The group of players might not be good. We know that there was talk about him, his relationship with a lot of players had soured. Now, has, has, are they still there? Can he still make it up? I think it's a real big shout to go back to a manager who had relative success and hope that he can re- replicate that. And I don't know if Tottenham have got the money. Remember Gareth Bale's money, Richard? It funded a massive recruitment for Tottenham. Just yes. before Pochettino arrived. Granted. Now, I don't know if they've got that money. Maybe they will if Kane goes. It, it did, Andy. They spent. When they fund a, 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 you know, a recruitment, I don't know. Well, you have to remember that they wasted most of that 100 million. I, I don't think mm-hmm. we could name probably one of the players now, Lamella, um, that, that they, they went out and bought. Um, other than that, no, it, it, <laughs> they, they threw money away. Look, he's only got to continue to, to, to keep Tottenham in the top four and. An occasional cup final. Look, we'll talk about it later. One of our guests today couldn't be close to the club. Yeah, that's um, but but for me, I I don't have a problem with that. I I, I it was a fit that worked. Um, to those who fell out with him, I would I would repeat what I've often said: be careful what you wish for. Um, yes, I can see it as a runner, and yes, mm-hmm. I think he would feel comfortable. Uh, back at Tottenham. Depends how much of an ambition he's got to continue in Paris, of course. I mean, that's, yeah, that's another true. factor. Um, yeah. and, and how much Leonardo has been impressed by what he's done there so far. <laughs> and he, he, he didn't win the title. I mean, that that's nope. a prerequisite. That's where you start at clubs yeah, like is. Bayern and like Paris, you Manchester City, really. You win the title. Everything else on top of that is what you're judged on, not winning the title. I mean, you know, you you, no. you can't finish second to Lille if you're Paris. You really can't. No, you can't. You, no, you can't finish second to anybody if no. you're Paris. No, and Liga, no way. So. Not no. I said Bayern Munich. They can't finish second to anybody. No, that's just. Here's what we do. We start this season. We're champions. Okay. Everything else, we go from there. <laughs> that's it. So let's turn our attention first of all to a story, Andy, that you and I uh, were in at the start of, uh, have mm-hmm. watched both of us with with fascination as it's unfolded down the years and came to a conclusion this week when once again the British justice system um, reverted to what it too often is, and that is a boys' club, uh, uh, closing down the investigation into three people charged with offences at Hillsborough. Um, as it turns out, uh, only Graham McCrell, the former Secretary of Sheffield Wednesday, has been found guilty of any charge regarding Hillsborough, and, and for that he was fined £6,500. The rest have all got away with it. So who better to talk to about this than someone who's been banging away on behalf of the 96 and the victims of, and I say that and I repeat it in case you haven't heard me say it before, 96 mm. died, the victims were those who were left behind, yeah. and they were trying to get justice for the people that they had lost this week again and failed Again, Steve Rotherham was the MP of Walton Andy when we first spoke to him. He's now the Metropolitan yes. Mayor of Liverpool and is our first guest this week. Steve, uh, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm really good, but obviously, like a lot of people, still digesting what happened with the announcement yesterday of the curtailing of the 
the last of the court cases in regards to Hillsborough and, and deeply disappointed yet again that the British judicial system has failed. I, I just said, Steve, before you joined us, I said once again we've got an example of the British judicial system being a boys' club. And I think there are too many times, and I, I know you have to be careful in the position you now have as to what you can say and whether, how much of my anger you can confirm on this subject. <laughs> oh, lots but, of it, Keezy. You but, can give lots but of it. But honestly, I, I, I just, as events were unfolding this week, let's go back to the start, Steve. We first met on the phone when Andy and I were at Talk Sport. And, and I'd spotted yep. this little paragraph in, in, in a national newspaper about calls for an inquiry. So we called you to talk about it. Tories tried to block it. Theresa May tried to talk it out of the Commons. You got it done. In, in, in doing so, did, did you expect all these years later you would end up actually right back where you were, which was them shutting you down? I think you'll remember when we were having those conversations what we were talking about was the need for truth and justice. Yes. And the truth bit was the bit that we could help with because we wanted that independent inquiry, didn't we? We wanted um, for all of that documentation to be disclosed to the public. Uh, and we, we did get there for those things. And that led to, of course, the longest coronial inquest in British legal history. And at that inquest, not only... Did the first verdicts, which nobody ever accepted, mm. the first verdicts of accidental death, they were quashed, but also they found that 96 people had been unlawfully killed. And again, speaking to yourself and Andy, we were saying it's not over yet because whilst you can prove the truth, it's much more difficult to get justice and we haven't secured justice to date. What? I, I mean, is it... Is it can, over... I, can I ask Go on, Andy. Can Go I, on. Steve, Steve. You know, as you're watching things unfold this week, did you get to a point during the week where you thought, we're going to get shafted again here? Yeah, <laughs> Andy, honestly. And, and that's because, again, uh, and we've had private conversations, you know this, and, and we've said the way in which the establishment, um, we were told, would circle the wagons and try to, um, in every single way that they possibly could, fight back. And that's what this was. This was... Um, I don't know if you heard the, the QC um, after the abandonment of the case. And he started to talk about things that had been disproven, not once or twice, <laughs> but in a court of law with all of the CCTV, hundreds of thousands of pages of documentation mm. and all of the evidence that went through. And he was still trying to um, rekindle the idea that somehow this was because of the fault of Liverpool supporters when we all know that 100% they were exonerated. Do you know what, Steve? That Almost as much as the guys getting away with it. And, and, and I, again, just for specifics, those who don't know, Chief Superintendent Donald Denton, DCI Alan Foster and the Forces then solicitor Peter Metcalf had been charged with perverting the course of public justice in their roles when amending 68 police officers' statements. Um, the trial judge decided that this couldn't be a perversion of, uh, uh, of, of justice because um, the, the statements were prepared for a public inquiry chaired by Lord Justice Taylor. So therefore, 
It was an administrative exercise, not a course of public justice. I, I mean, this is just <laughs> mind-blowing, this stuff. But, but the, the fact that people were, were, came out afterwards and stood on the steps of the court and said, well, it would, if Liverpool fans hadn't behaved the way they had, it would never have happened. I, I mean, I'm sorry. What does that tell us about the guys that were in the court? I'll tell you what it tells you about the legal system, and that is that um, these people, by the way, highly paid people, yeah. you know, they're on, yeah. they've made hundreds of millions of pounds, the judicial system in this country, from this trial, and that's mainly gone to barristers and QCs and solicitors <sighs> in their back pockets, and they are still trying to perpetuate the same myths and smears that we fought so long to overturn. Uh, and it, when I heard those comments, honestly, I just despaired. So I, I've challenged them, by the way, this QC. I won't, get, I won't use his name, but I've challenged them. If he's got evidence that wasn't presented to the Hillsborough Independent Panel or to the inquest, which took you know, a couple of years and, and sifted through everything that was available, if he's got new evidence, then come to Liverpool and present it to me, and then we can have a discussion about um, what that evidence suggests, because we all know there is no new evidence. And what yeah. he needs to do is to apologise unequivocally for those hateful remarks. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm pleased to hear you say that, because we know yeah. that, that you're right and that he can't. And therefore, I, I, I guess you probably haven't heard from him, Steve. Am I right? <laughs> I, I'm still waiting, but, you know, <laughs> he's got my number, but he's not uh, picked the phone up to me. So what happens now, Steve? Where, where do you go from there? I mean, is that the end? I think it is, you know, Andy. Um, the wow. only thing that we're looking at is that the uh, the criminal bar, so they're regulating, if you like, for these people. We need to report this individual because he can't be allowed to be lying in public no. because no. he hasn't got this evidence to suggest any of the things that he's reportedly um, saying. And so why would he do it? And again, it's because the establishment don't like they're getting their nose pushed out of joint. And we knew that when we got those verdicts of unlawful killing, mm. that they tried to get us back. And I think this is the start, again, of trying to besmirch and smear those people who fought all of those decades to get to where we were with truth. But there's no justice in this country. I, I mean, Andy, we 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 met some remarkable people. I'm, I'm, yes, we did. A piece this morning, um, Steve Kelly, who, if you remember, he said he drove to Hillsborough the morning after, parked his car yes. outside Correct. the gates at Leppings Lane, and was mm. told brutally by a police officer, "Shift it!" And he, he really, so he threw his keys over the top of the gate. Um, yeah. You know, he, he later couldn't cuddle his brother because he was behind glass in in in, in a mortuary. Right. I, I, I mean. He said this week, nearly half of my life I've been fighting. A good Evertonian, by the way. That's also worth mm. pointing out. People don't get yes. that. This is a Merseyside story. It's not a Liverpool story. No. Uh, he said, I've given half my life to be beaten by a technicality, which is what's happened this week. I mean, I, I just, I, honestly, Steve, you, you, I, I texted you a couple of times this week. I, I think you can sense my anger now. I, it, it's a good job, probably, I didn't turn to politics because I'd, I'd, I'd get too angry. Um, it's just wrong. And I... I, I, I it, it can't now be righted, can it? it, it and, and that in itself is an outrage. Uh, and you're right about the technicality. Uh, and that technicality is that the government set up the Taylor uh, inquiry uh, and the government is the, the body, the statutory body, you know, the elected and demo, uh, 
graphic, a democratic uh, institution in this country. And yet they're saying the way they set it up means that it's not on the statutory footing. Well, that is, that's, <laughs> just, that's dancing on that's the head of the isn't it? I mean, what they're saying is you can lie to an inquiry and change 68 statements, yeah. but it, yeah. it, it's so that inquiry doesn't come to the correct uh, ultimate decision. But, but, but you know, when it comes to a, 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 a court of law, don't worry, move on. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's not so bad, isn't it? And if this is happening somewhere else, I bet you people in this country would be saying, well, you know, that's a, a third world uh, look at things or, you know, that that's what you get in the banana republic. Yes. So I guess what's happening in our own country, the very same thing. Just, I don't want to keep you, t- Steve, I, I know it's a busy morning, for it, but the, the, we were talking, as I, I remember we were live on air talking to you as Theresa May tried to filibuster yeah, the conversations that, yeah. about whether there should be an inquiry or not. D- yeah. d- do you think they knew what, what ultimately we would all find out and they were desperate for, for it not to come out? Yeah, and they knew, of course, that um, the cover-up itself, so the disaster was obviously a, a tragedy of, of enormous magnitude, the biggest sporting disaster in, in British history. But of the aftermath and the cover-up, that was political as well as mm. um, the sort of criminal process that we've seen. And they didn't want any of that to come out into the open. And that's why when we tried to get the disclosure of the documents, again, you'll remember, because you were brilliant at giving us the platform to say, all we're asking for is for all of the documentation to come forward so that we can look at it and then people can make a value judgment on what we have been able to, to look at. Uh, and that's where the, the government, I think, started to get nervous because it did expose not just the police, but government and pol- politics and politicians at the highest level who were involved in this, and Thatcher was one of them. Yeah, and so was Bernard Ingham, by the way. So was Kelvin McKenzie. I, I, I mean, and Bernard, yes. Bernard was his source, as we later found out. And unfortunately, yeah. Steve, for, for me, listen, it's a part of the world I, I, I know and love deeply, despite the fact that Reds at the minute aren't very happy about me and, and the blue half of the city would give me a kick in if they could. Um, well, but, <laughs> try on a weekly basis, don't worry about that. But is, is, it, is it because it's Liverpool, do you think, that people retain this ridiculously biased and, and ill-educated opinion about what happened at Hillsborough? Well, go back a few decades before that, that sort of um, era of, of, of problems at football. Uh, and Scousers, if you had a Scouse accent in the 60s, you could go in anywhere anywhere in the world and people would buy you a bevy and they want to talk <laughs> to you. And it was a really good thing. In the 70s, in the post sort of industrialised Liverpool, and then the, the problems in the early 80s, that started to change the perception of what Scousers mm. were. Mm. And then we got the stereotype, didn't we? We got the stereotype Scouser. Um, and that, I think, damaged the image uh, of what Liverpool was about. Uh, and, of course, it ended up with two tragedies, you know, uh, both Heisel and Hillsborough. And all of that, I think, culminated in a very easy scapegoat for the likes of governments to say, this wasn't us, mm. it was those stereotypical scousers. But people forget there were kids who died at Hillsborough, you know, who, who had their blood alcohol levels taken. 
There were people who were in very important jobs. There were families whose parents were very well-to-do. You know, this, this was the full panoply of different mm. people from everyday life. And yet somehow they were able to, one, label them as 96, and then the 96 um, got besmirched. Uh, and that was the fight, really. And I, I think you're right. It is a lot of people still to this day who are uneducated, who won't take the, the time and effort to go and have a look at the Hillsborough Independent Panel or have a look at the judgments in the inquests, and then you'll, you'll find out what truly happened on that fateful day. Well, the, 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 the boys' club has uh, circled the wagons. The court of public opinion, Steve, has to be uh, ultimately the uh, arbiter on this now and, and, and must yeah. never, ever allow it to be forgotten. Really must Steve never, Steve Keezy, can I just ask one more thing before Steve goes? Mm. Steve, Rich has talked about that the victims are still out there. The survivors are the victims. Yeah. Many ways. What happens to the survivors now? I mean, what where did what did they do? Where did they go? How do they get their minds around this decision? I don't think they ever have. To tell you the truth, Andy, and you know, I, I was there on that day myself, and and I I saw things with my eyes that I wish I hadn't have seen, but also that nobody could convince me that I didn't see, and that's what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. They were trying to 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 reinvent and, and rewrite history by saying. This didn't happen, but this, 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 and did. And that's why the survivors, that's why the families, that's why the campaigners have fought so diligently over three decades to have door after door slammed in their faces. And then this latest one was just the the latest kick in the teeth in all honesty. But some people were saying that it wasn't unexpected. And I suppose, given what's happened previously, we should have, have yeah. expected that yeah. the government would try and the judiciary would try to do everything to well, now prevent we know. it from now we know. happening. Steve, yeah. it was the wrong yeah. way we yeah. got to meet, but I'm glad that we have, and uh, thank you for talking to us today. Uh, just yeah, in, thanks, in, in, in closing, to lighten the mood, uh, sources suggest to me there was a, a football match at Anfield this week, Andy, uh, in which yeah. the uh, the Metropolitan Mayor may very well have taken part, and that blue-nosed oh, Burnham oh, from oh. down the road in Manchester scored at the cop end. Excellent. I- Oh, I cannot believe you just done that to me now. I cannot believe that. Uh, listen, Andy, Andy, did you ever score at the cop end? I was just about to say, Steve, that is something that Mr. Burnham and I have in common then. <laughs> uh, I'll send you the photos. I'll send you the photos of, of a, a challenge between me and Andy Burnham where I launched and made Good up. lad. I hope you left a mark on him. Steve. You leave him alone. You leave him alone. Thanks for talking to us, Steve. And remember what I said. I know that you are aware of it, but the court of public opinion ultimately has to decide. Thank you again. Steve. Thanks, Jens. Sorry, Andy. I mean, I I, I express my anger probably... um, too strongly at different times when no, speaking no, to Steve. No, but, no, quite right. Um, quite right. I, I, it's just wrong. Um, it's mm. it, it, it just, you know, ultimately, and, and importantly, you know, I, I was watching the accountant of Auschwitz this week, Oscar Gruning, um, 93, I think he was, when finally he had to face a court. Um, and of course, opinion is split then. Why, why, why are they going after an old man of 93 uh, on, on charges that, that, that were created from 70 years ago you know leave him alone and and you 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 kind of get that way 
to, yeah. to, to thinking perhaps that that is right. And then you're finally reminded by people who say, no, it, mm. it, it has to, you have to market. You have yes. to market because you, you need to be sure these things don't ever happen again. And, and, and the British justice system missed a really good opportunity this week and, and previously on this same subject of saying, no, someone has to be held to account. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Sadly, that's true. You're right. And you're right to be angry, son. You're right to be angry. So our second guest, Andy, is someone that went, time and again down the years, people say to me, who's the, the, the best guest you've ever sat with? And that, that's, I always, my first answer is those who have put their neck on the line, those who have had a go, because it's easy right. to criticise from a distance when you don't understand mm. what it's like in that dugout. So that, that's the first part of the answer. The second is, yeah. I've always said, Glenn Hoddle. I, I enjoy talking about football with Glenn more than anybody else, but there is a rider to this. I have changed oh, my mind. Oh, have you? Because ah, right. okay. all of the time I'd sat with Glenn down the years, I hadn't uh -huh. met Arsene Wenger. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> well, I, I, well, you may say that, but I prefer Glenn Hoddle myself. But that's probably a oh, personal opinion. I love you, Andy. I love you, Andy. <laughs> you there. I didn't realise you were there. <laughs> no, I remember, Glenn. I don't know if you re remember this, but I remember many, many years ago in another life when I used to do a little show called The Boot Room. Yes. You remember? Yes. You remember that yes, way back? Andy, and I yeah. always said to Richard, I used to get people in like yourself to come in. I think you were at Swindon at the time. I was at Swindon. And the yeah, second right, division, I because I remember we said, we won't get Premier League, our first of the Premier League managers in, because they won't tell yeah. us anything. So we got people like yourself who were up and coming. Mm. And I remember saying to Keezy, in all the years I did that show, the best, and I'm not saying it because you're on the the best I had. It's true. Was Glenn. Yeah, it's true. And well, was, thank you. We were that right, was Glenn. That was, uh, Andy, that, that's really kind of you guys. But no, that true. was a great show, Andy. That was a really clever, good show, wasn't it? Because that was really good there. Uh, it was it, it that, allowed it, a lot of subutal men we used to have on the front of yeah, us. Yeah, that's right. It allowed you <laughs> to get really in-depth and into it. Yeah, yeah I, I love that. It was we were right, fun. Glenn, about three centre-backs all those years when you tried to talk to people about it and say that it can be yeah. a really good offensive system it's not about that. defending with three and and right about getting two forwards at the top end by using that system and and guess what over the years everybody's evolved to use it isn't it extraordinary yeah <laughs> i know it's richard it's it's crazy because i you know I, I had the experience of actually playing like andy at international football and i was sick and tired of chasing the ball around in that midfield area where we were totally outnumbered and we and then when we got it we were in straight lines it was so i learned a lot from playing at international football to go into my management and straight away when i was at swindon talking to swindon and you oh. know we, we went into a back three and in in the championship no one was prepared to oh. they didn't know how to play against it but it was for offensive reasons richard you're absolutely right you know defensively you every system as andy will tell you has got an achilles heel Every system. It doesn't matter. And you, as a manager, you've got to find out what that Achilles heel is to your opponents, but you know you've got one yourself. So you have to work on that side. And we had to work on defensive side a lot to make sure that you don't end up too vulnerable. Um, but you've got to have the right players. You've got to have the right... You, you can play in a back four and, and not have the right players and get away with it. Mm -hmm. But with a back three, you have to have clever players, players that are switched on, and they have clarity of mind of how to play that system. And you cause people problems with the ball. You really do. Uh, and I still see it, as you said now, Richard, in modern day, there's a lot of teams playing it and they change from it. Into it. I mean, Chelsea have been playing it mm. ever since Tuchel came in. Yeah, yeah. Straight away, 
factory bang there it was you know and um yeah it was exciting uh, to, to to see it when it played when it's played at its best my word it causes people problems a lot of people Glenn, let me ask you about that because a lot of people play three at the back and 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 tend to play a lot of them play like you you're correct me if I'm wrong but when you played your three at the back you wanted like five across the middle and two at the top end yeah. that would be right wouldn't it because you wanted to yeah but nowadays well, it seems to me that teams that play three they kind of play three then they like the four in front of that and then they yeah. split three across the top end of the pitch is that yeah, where well, the true. modern day players are using the three that the the reason they're doing that, Andy, if you cast your mind back to the World Cup semis against Croatia, yeah. I was doing that game, and we played with the back three, but in the end, I kept I'm thinking to myself, I'm on commentary, and I'm saying they've got to sort out the right back coming and the left yeah. back. And I think that's they didn't. They kept the two up front, Rashford right. and, and Kane. Yeah. And the full-backs were coming, and they were coming on their right. And that's the Achilles heel of a back. Yes. You, you end up as a back five, too deep. And in the end, they crossed it in from there, and they were getting it, and, and, and the rest is history. But, you know, that's why people are doing that now, putting them two wide ones out there yeah. to stop the fullbacks. But then, and then you've got the one down the front and, and the two in midfield. But the two in midfield sometimes now get outnumbered three v two. So you're always, always going to, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think what Chelsea do are very good, very clever, because they've got the two little pocket men. And I yeah. remember we played that with England. Mm. We played that with, with Gaza in there, Merson and Teddy did it deeper sometimes. We play with two little pockets in there with two sitting players behind. You know, like two number 10s, Well, two number 10s, yeah. Two little pocket players there uh-huh. that could get out to the full packs uh-huh. and then the other one swings in. So it, it, that, that, that is a better, for me, that's a better shape when you're playing with a three. A lot of teams, they'd go, yeah, we'll go with, with, with the wing backs dropping deep and then four across and it leaves that one up front isolated and, and that's to stop the fullbacks it's because but there is a way of doing that there's times Andy you know we're getting very technical here we no, need I'm your, just going to say that, that. Yeah. we will getting bored no I'm not I, <laughs> I, I'm just thinking I rest my case go on we need the little Sabutio men. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but no, you, you you can do it a different way where you can stop uh, at least one fullback and then your midfield sorts out the other one. And, and yeah. you're hunky-dory. It's a, it's a system that we worked on many, many times of England when a team played 4-3-3 rather than the, the two up front against us. But the, the, the good thing, Richard, what you mentioned, it, you can play with two strikers, whether it's one just coming off one or you can go really aggressive and go with the two right up the top, which you don't see much nowadays. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's, hey, listen, in the end, it's players that win games, um, whatever system you're playing. Glenn, did, people always talk, young players who end up being coaches like you have, they always talk about who were their influences, who were their biggest influences when they were playing. Did you have one? Well, that's, that's a really good question because... I, I, the influence I had, major influence, was Arsene Wenger. <laughs> in the what? sense, it, 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 him and Terry Venables, from, right. and I'm going back to under-21s. Uh, under-21s, him and Dave, Terry and, and Dave Sexton were, were people. And probably I was at an age, at 20 years of age, where I was thirsty. Mm. And I was thirsty for, for, for education and, and, and um, experience. And then going to Ar- Arsene in Monaco, that was completely different. In the sense that, I, I, I learned how he, how he, he didn't, he wasn't a technical, I didn't come off the training ground saying, oh, I learned a lot today. <laughs> yeah. It was more, it was more about how he set his team out, how, what he wanted from his team. And obviously 
50-60%, and what he did with Arsenal, he had to have a battle, was off the pitch. It was how he prepared off the pitch. What we were doing as a, as a footballer blew my mind. And it opened my mind to so many things that, that you know, how you, how you as a person, as a, as a person and a player, your body. Um, I was fitter at 28 at Monaco than I was at 22, 23 um, at Tottenham. And that, that blew my mind. And that was the side that I really, really enjoyed working with Arsenal. He was an excellent uh, coach. He really was and still would be if he was back in the game yeah, now. he would, and so would you, by the way. And, and just mm. just one thing, when you said I was thirsty, I thought we were about to mention the Val Bon again. I, I think that was part of the Who does he play for, Val Bon? <laughs> I don't know who he plays for, but he, 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 he enabled Tottenham to play on, on many evenings at that time. I, I do remember that. <laughs> I remember that, Val Bon. I remember that to me. Yeah, we back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Glenn, there'll be some listening, I'm sure, uh, post uh, Champions League final. Do, do you have a an inkling for one or the other? You know what? Well, as as an ex Chelsea manager, I, I you know I, I I want Chelsea to win, and that's hard as a Tottenham man as well, to be quite honest. But no, I, I'm looking forward to this game because I think it's more balanced than we think. I think there's some real permutations here. You've got Tuchel, who's who's sort of six games against Pep hasn't lost over his career. Mm. That is a bit of a conundrum for Pep. I think there's that extra pressure on City. The owners want that trophy. They've always wanted that trophy when they set out Sal to, to buy City and go it. And I think they want to win it. And once they win it once, I think they want to do what Liverpool and Ajax and Bayern Munich did. I think they want to dominate it for a period of time. But, like Andy would tell you, getting over the line first is the hardest. So that's why I think there's a bit of pressure on City. Um, this is nicely balanced. You know, Chelsea, I think... The key to the game, in many ways, is do Chelsea go 1-0 up? If, if I see Chelsea going 1-0 up, I think they're in business here. They'll have City where they actually want them. They can counter on them. But unfortunately for Chelsea at the moment, they've not turned any... Since Ducal's come, they've not turned any result round from a deficit, from 1-0 down. So, And I think City would be on the front for it. So I... I you know, it's it, that's how close it's going to be. You know, I think. Glenn, it's, you, uh, Glenn, but, let me ask you, Glenn. Do you, do you get any thoughts that there might there's, there might be a little similarity between this game and how it sets up, and Manchester United against Villarreal in the, in respect of United were the better team, better players. Mm, yeah. Went in against a team who knew that were a bit pragmatic, defensive, organised. The same way that maybe City will be the ones who will dominate the ball. Yeah. And Chelsea yeah. will have to be organised, disciplined, and use the the counter attack or transition to win the game. Might it be the same kind of game that we saw in midweek against United? I think it. I think it's, tactically it'd be similar, but I think it'd be better because the quality. Yes, in quality. my opinion, the the, the twenty two players, and I include both goalkeepers as well nowadays. Um, the quality is is going to be there. Uh, I, I, I see that pattern you know, playing out, Andy, without a doubt. And I think it's the only way Chelsea can play. And, and let's be fair, Man City are the best, I think, the best team in the world when they're at their very, very best. I'm not sure there's an international team out there that could play against City and beat them. I think they're, 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 they're that good. But um, I, I think you know you can't have the ball against City. You, if you, you can come out and say, right, we're going to demand the ball, we're going to outplay them, um, <clears throat> you know, and have out-possession them. I don't think it's possible to do it. Because when they when they press you, they press you hard and high. When they drop off, they they're, they're difficult to get through at times. But when they have the ball, 
my word, it's in a match, you know, 30 seconds is a long time in a match, 40 seconds. To not have the ball is quite incredible. And they keep the ball for so so long periods that uh, you have to counter them. But Chelsea have proved, more importantly to themselves, that they, yeah. they, there's an Achilles heel there for City. They can suck them in, they can draw them in, and they can hit them on the break. And that's what they'll have to do. And they'll have to do it well. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, intri- it's going to be an intriguing game because there's so many... Permutations. I think Mendy being back for Chelsea is a big, big yeah. plus for them. And and when you play City, and I think your keeper, you're wanting your keeper to have a weldy. He needs oh, to have to, a great yeah. game. Yeah. <clears throat> Some days they throw, might throw one in, but today, uh, Saturday, he needs to have a really, really solid, good performance. And Chelsea can do it. But in saying that, they've got so much talent. City. <laughs> I mean, if they hit, the, if they hit the. The straps running. If they get themselves, you know, really all playing at nine out of ten, then I fear for Chelsea. But uh, you've got to do it under that pressure as well. Yeah. Now. Well, if you're watching in the UK, it's BT Sport, of course. If you're watching anywhere in the rest of the world, chances are it's BN Sports. Yeah. Um, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn, the, <laughs> la- the last time we spoke, Andy was in one of his uh, many lockdowns. Um, yeah. Mourinho was still in charge of Tottenham. And I, I talked to you about... Tottenham fans and what they want from their team. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm fairly certain you said to me, "Look, the era of, of my era gone. Okay, um, smooth, silky football. Uh, we we've got to evolve at Tottenham. We've got to start winning." D- do you stand by that? And if that were the case, did they pull the plug too quickly on Mourinho? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is what I think I said to you, uh, Richard. There's a generation of Spurs fans, young, younger generations of Spurs fans. They want to go into playgrounds. They want to go into universities and colleges and pubs and whatever they are and say, we've won a trophy. You know, Spurs are on the up. Mm. Uh, they don't care about the history in many, many, to a degree. Uh, you know, and, and I think if you win a trophy, you get the confidence. The, the, the way that you, you know, Mourinho set up to him was trying to get over the line. And he got them to a final. I just couldn't. I think it was ludicrous to to chop him at the knees just as he gets into a cup final. Amazing. Because if you do if you do win it, then you can build on that. Yes, it was a tough game, of course, Man City, but I think they handed they handed that trophy to City yeah, with did. what they did in many they ways. Um, so then you can but then it's a longer picture, a longer project. Then you can start building a team with confidence and a bit more belief that they're going to win things. Then you might actually become a little bit more expansive and you know, and, and do what you need to do. But at the end of the day, Man City first half against PSG in the semis, they were banked in. Yeah. They, it was like the Alamo earlier. Early it? It they were banked in. No one's saying, all oh, that's defensive play. They had to, but they knew how to do it and they banked in, got through that period and second half came out and went, you know, went to the throat and played brilliantly. So there's times when that can happen, but I think Mourinho given more time. Yes, at the beginning of the next season, if it had started poorly um, and whatever, then that would maybe be the time to, to, to have changed things. But, oh, I thought it was absolutely ludicrous. Mm. You're in a final, you bring somebody in to win silverware for yeah, you. Correct. It okay. gets you to a final and then you go... <laughs> And, and, and no disrespect to Ryan, he's a young kid, you know, a young, a young good boy. And as an, I could not get it. I just could not get that. To, uh, I didn't understand that at all. But where, do, where, where do they go now? And amongst all the speculation, uh, Martinez gets a mention. Oh. Pochettino maybe comes yeah. home. Uh, Conte, yeah. who, who's, who's Mourinho double 
Um, hey, Potter uh, gets a mention. Well, yeah, but... Yes, Graham Potter uh, gets a mention, and, r- and rightly so, uh, Richard. I think yes. what he's done with Brighton and what he's done right the way through his career, he's won things. He's got promotions, you know, abroad. Then he comes, to, and what he's done, what he's done with Brighton has been. If they had have had a finisher, I think not even a, you know, they're not going to get a Harry Kane. If they'd have had a Danny Ings in, his, <laughs> yeah. in their team, a fit Danny yeah. Ings, yeah. I yeah. think Brighton is eighth, ninth in the league. And I really believe that. I think he's done a wonderful mm. job. I really do. But so you, know, you don't, don't think Cardio fancy Brighton? Then is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No, just <laughs> Brighton. Um, yeah, but I, but I that wouldn't satisfy you know, Tottenham fans, Glenn, would it? it? Surely it's got to be one of the superstars. Well, yeah, but you're saying that though, Rich. At the moment, you know, from two years ago, being in the Champions League. Tottenham are not at the same club. They're not at the same level at this moment in time. They're, they're playing in this conference Euro, whatever it is. I don't. I can't yeah, get my head around that. Reserve league. Um, but <laughs> you know, they're not in the Champions League places. So one, they've got to keep how they how they keep the best players, and two, how they entice the best players or good, really good players to come to the club to improve the squad is another difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not impossible. But it's going to need time. So why wouldn't why would the fans actually say, "Well, it's got to be a big name"? Because even if it's a big name, instantly he's going to, whoever it is needs a bit of time to work with. Mm. He needs to he needs to look at the squad, improve the squad. It's no good bringing it. But, but listen, you could bring in a combination of Arsene Wenger, Alex Ferguson, <laughs> and uh, and Mourinho. Uh, if there was all in one man, he still wouldn't go. He, he can't go out there and play and do it for them. So there is a there is a time factor with Tottenham. It needs a bit of time for them to rebuild. And unfortunately, they missed their opportunity a couple of years ago. That was the time to really build on that squad. If you think about Spurs going into that cup final, mm-hmm. the, the, the Champions League, they were in awful form. They played they played some awful f- football at the time. They were not they were poor. Under Poch, they were really struggling, but they somehow got to the final of the Champions League. So it sort of papered over some of the cracks getting mm-hmm. to the final, and they didn't respond when it, it you know, it, it should have. They should have re- responded in in building from from a stronger position. They didn't. So would you would you go with Pochettino again? Would you entertain that thought? Andy, that is such a difficult one. I, I, he's a great guy. I, I met him a few occasions with Ozzy. Really good football man. Great guy. Uh, good, obviously, at his job with what he did with Spurs. When he went off to Paris Saint-Germain, I thought, you know what, now he's going to get his success. Now he's going to get some silverware. He hasn't. And I, I, no. I'm, I'm baffling. I'm, I'm, he didn't win anything as a player as well, I believe. So I, I don't know. Sometimes people are <laughs> destined not to not to be successful. They're very good at their job and excellent coaches. But other people, you think, oh, dear, they had some, they've had some luck and... Uh, they get they get their rewards that way. I, I don't know. I, I I think Daniel Levy, for him to actually turn around and say, "I'm taking Poch back. I made a mistake. It was my fault." But this time, does it sound like Daniel? Does it? It doesn't sound like Daniel. No, it is. And what would the disgruntlement a little bit with the fans behind the scene at the moment about Enoch and everything as well? That would be a big call. That would be a massive call. Yeah. But I've got to say. I've got nothing against Daniel. He sacked me. Honestly, I'm not bitter. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm a Spurs man. Well, Glenn, did he sack you or did Pleaty? I mean, we... we... <laughs> That's another story. Yeah, exactly. 
But at the end of the day, he's made this bed and he's got to sleep in it at the moment. He's made the bed. It was a, it was a ludicrous decision when he made this decision to sack Jose. Um, whether you like Jose or not, the man deserved, deserved to have a run at that cup. And, and I say, as, as I say, if they'd won it, it could be a different story now. But, you know, he's now got a headache, a massive headache as to who he brings to the club at this moment in time. But um, I'm sure he'll do the right thing for the club. He's got to do what's... It's a real crossroads at Tottenham and I'm, I'm sure he'll come up with the right uh, solution, but it's going to take a bit of time. I would love to talk on, Glenn, but we have taken enough of your time up. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been really good of you. Um, do, do please That's very kind, send though. my it's, best wishes... It's a bit to, of a sun lounge. Well, well, take my best wishes to the rest of the boys at BT. Um, there's some good guys yeah. working there now, uh, yeah. not least yeah. Dave I will Moss, do it. I will do it. And, and as times. you're sitting, lying on your sunbed later with a, a large <laughs> cocktail in um, your hand, think of me, Glenn, <laughs> in my little room in quarantine, please, will you? <laughs> hey, you know me, I'll, I'll, have me head, I'll have me head down on all the stats. <laughs> good lad. <laughs> Glenn, thank you again. All great right. to talk. Thanks, Glenn. Great to Great chatting with you, boys. I miss you. I miss you. Yeah, I miss you big time. Inside. Thank you. See you, Glenn. See you, boys. Cheers, Take care. Bye. Good luck, Andy. Cheers, pal. <laughs> so there, there we are. I said midway through that. I rest my case, Andy. I, I could have spoken to Glenn for the rest of the day. Uh, Glenn, I, I mean, he's, Richard, he's just brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. I he's mean, a football man, and, and I honestly i am staggered um, that he's been out the game on the coaching level as long as he has it's it, it, it's it's amazing when you, when I think of some of the people who are in the game yeah and then I think of him perceptions Andy, you see perceptions and, and passion oh it's unbelievable they destroyed him when he was England coach and it's such yeah, a shame he's got so much to give uh, anyway this has been the longest ever but I, I, I think that? yes I think it's justifiably so and I'm going to leave you now because I know in the time that we've been putting this together there have been developments you were expecting happy. to get out tonight now that may not be the case so in closing, no, tell us I'm why. Not, I'm not happy. Um, I should have had my test results today for my second test, mm -hmm. which would be the fourth of what test I've had in 10 days, all negative. But uh, I've had a knock on the door to say they think they've lost my test <laughs> and I've got to phone NHS now. And if that's the case, <laughs> I have to retest me and I may not be out today. So Mr. Gray <laughs> is leaving you not in the best of moods. <laughs> Good. You could tell all your. This is not funny, by the way. Yes, <laughs> I was geared up. Get in touch at uh, uh, on Insta and Twitter at Keys and Gray uh, Pod, Keys A N D Pod, and uh, we'll speak. Well, we'll speak to you this time next week. <laughs> Good luck, son. I'll, I'll probably still be in quarantine. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 